Welcome to Be Love Podcast, where we share stories of those who are loving others in hopes to inspire us to do the same. Excuse my voice. Um, your girl here has been uh, in isolation for the past few days. She has tested positive for COVID. Um, but in this interview I interviewed a couple weeks back, you will not hear this raspiness. We are on our Love Everyone series. So we've been doing this series based on our napkin note, the lunchbox note that changed our family's life. The first uh, series was Be Strong where we talked to people who have been through unimaginable situations and they were strong through it all. Then we talked about um, Protect the Weak. We interviewed people who are doing this on a daily basis. And then this month, we're talking about Love Everyone. So today's guest is Dr. Kelly Flanagan. He is a clinical psychologist, and he wrote the book Lovable, Embracing What is Truest About You So You Can Embrace Life. We talk about how we all started out believing we were lovable, And then something happens where we stop believing that as much. We start to hustle for our worth and forget the truest part of us. Dr. Flanagan helps us get back to the lovable part. He helps us understand that we are worthy and we're lovable no matter what others might have told us. We dig deep today about how to love ourselves. And then we also dig into the science on what makes people different and how we can love others in this divided world we find ourselves in. Kelly is bringing hope and tangible ways, even today after you listen to this podcast, that you can get back to your truest self. I think you're going to love this interview today. Listen in. Cause all I need Hi, I'm Christy Hayes and co-founder of Be Strong Story, a family mission and company founded because of a little lunchbox note my husband wrote my son that said, Be strong, protect the weak, love everyone. That's right. We believe those three lines can change our world if we live them out. Each week, we'll be sharing an inspiring and real story of others who are displaying this message of love in big and small ways in their community, because every way matters. We hope each story will inspire you to make this message your own. Let's go love the world, you guys. Hey, Kelly, I am so excited to have you on our Be Love podcast for our Love Everyone series. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is because you are a clinical psychologist. You work with people all the time to help them find how to love themselves, how to be worthy, how to belong. And I just, I've heard of you from some friends and then I read your book and I was like, oh my gosh, he is the perfect person to have on here. Um, Your book's called Lovable, Embracing the Truest About You So You Can Truly Embrace Your Life. And I cannot think of a better topic for us to be talking about with all the things that are going on with our world, our election um, right now. So I just want to dive in with you because we've there's so many things that I could talk about um, with you in this book. But tell me just about the word lovable, the the book mm-hmm. title, lovable. Why did you name it lovable, um, embracing the truest about you so you can truly embrace your life? Let's just start there. Well, I think it's always important when I talk to just do away right away with the f- fact that I've got it figured out and, and you know, I'm perfect. So <laughs> it's a great first question. Wait, that's why I, I had you on. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, well, the interview's over. Then, <laughs> Thanks, um, guys. Goodbye. Yeah, see ya. Um, and so it's so funny because, um, I mean, I must have revised Lovable a hundred times over the course of the process. But in the final revision, the final word that I put into the book for the very first time was Lovable. Um, and that ended up becoming the title. Um, and the idea was that, uh, I think in, in lovable, I call it the name we were given before all of their names, right? Mm. It's the fundamental reality about how we arrive in the world that we are lovable. Um, 
we arrive into the world with a true self that is worthy of, of love and belonging. We are lovable. And then somewhere along the way, we begin to doubt that or we forget that that's true. Um, and usually pretty early on. So a lot of people will say, I don't remember a time where I felt lovable. Like, I know, I know that's, that's how it works. Oftentimes, actually, for folks, the very first memory that they've retained mm-hmm. is the memory of the moment where they quit believing that. It's sort of this traumatic, traumatic moment where their 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 sense of worthiness was was shattered very quickly or in some significant way. So so we've forgotten that. Um, one of my one of my favorite stories to tell about the formation of of lovable is I was working with a really great literary agent to write my first book. With in other words, she was basically like, you know, no, this isn't going to work. No, this isn't going to work <laughs> over and over again. And uh, and, and I remember one night I was sitting in, standing in the kitchen and I got a text from her and she said, you know, Kelly, you keep, you keep writing these, you keep sending me these very lovely writings about, about worthiness. And she said, it's great work if you can get it, doc, <laughs> but how do we become worthy? Yeah. And I, lo- I looked at my wife and I said, oh, we don't, we don't be-. I was like sort of frustrated. You know, we don't become worthy. We are worthy. We forgot it. And now our job is to remember. Oh, and my wife good. looked at me and yeah, my wife looked at me and said, well, you should probably tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, and she says that's true. That's that's what you should write about. So so for me, much of much of our adult lives is is really spent remembering and reconnecting mm-hmm. with the worthiness that that we arrived with and that we've become disconnected from. Um, and so, lovable sort of formed around that concept. I love that because when I think of it, I think a lot of us are chasing yes. the worthiness and chasing. Yeah the belonging. So help me with the difference in, in that. And why, and why do we do that? Why? I mean, like just in my head as you're talking and I've read the book, you know, just that piece, like, wait a second, we don't have to chase it. We don't have to do all these things to become right. this. We already are. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it's that it's what happens in that in this 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 moment where we begin to forget our worthiness or distrust it is is the moment that we call shame. And mm-hmm. you know, shout, big shout out to Brene Brown for sure. for making shame a word that we're all talking about and becoming more familiar with. And we don't think now that it's some sort of unusual thing that you see. You have to go see a shrink about it, something we're all dealing with. Yeah. Although you can't, it doesn't hurt to see a shrink about it. Um, but uh, but so at that point where we experience shame. And this is the way that I'd characterize it. I don't think we consciously think it, but somewhere deep down inside of us, we say, hey, well, hey, if what is inside of me isn't worthy of love and belonging, I've got to go find something outside of me mm-hmm. that will make me worthy of love and belonging. And so we begin to search outside of ourselves for our worthiness in two, in two places, primarily in our relationships and our accomplishments, mm-hmm. right? We look for people who will make us feel worthy, or we look to achieve things that will sort of prove our worth to everyone externally. Um, and we have, we probably have some small minor victories in that regard, you know, but they aren't very, they don't sustain, they don't yeah. last, right? Because the truth is we're looking for worthiness outside of ourselves mm-hmm. and we're not looking for it in the only place where it actually exists, which is inside of us. Um, so we spend a lot of our, our lives sort of creating conflict and disappointment and our relationships become fraught in this search. We burn ourselves out kind of trying to accomplish things so that we can become worthy. And so, so much of, of the journey back to worthiness is about slowing down, mm-hmm. um, releasing those expectations for relationships, doing less and, and doing what it takes to become more reconnected with the worthiness that, that exists inside of us. This resonates with me so much. And what's interesting is I think we're going to have a ton of listeners who who hear this and 
and process it in different ways. So for me, when I read your book and even just talking about it, um, I, both those things, so in relationships and accomplishments, but there's no moment, I don't think, in my life that I've ever not felt lovable, whether it be the love of Christ or the love of my family, like I had the best family upbringing. And then you'll have, I think, people on another side that are listening that never felt lovable because their parents never treated them that way or someone told them, a mentor, that they weren't lovable. So I want to know what what gets us to that place where we think someone else has to help us feel worthy. And again, I, I don't know that I was searching for that, but I mean, just to be honest, like thinking, okay, my husband didn't affirm me enough today. I did this really awesome thing and no one even noticed and no one even said how much time I spent or, you know, how, and and I'm waiting for that. And then, then I feel like it's successful and productive when someone else notices, but I don't know how I, how did I get to that place? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, You know, and I think that's part of of the the benefit of broadening this concept of shame for us a little bit. Because I think, again, when we use this word shame, people think of trauma. They think mm-hmm. of very negative or even abusive moments. But I'll, I'll I'll give you an example of how a moment where I soaked up a sense of uh, of shame a little bit. And and I tell this story in Lovable. Um, in hindsight, uh, I, I I think I by the time I'm six, say I'm, I'm, I'm growing up in a family where there's a, there's a lot going on. Um, that parents are trying to figure out how to maybe transition back to, to go, you know, returning to school out of, uh, certain careers that, that are not going to take very far. It's stressful, you know, scarce resources. People are working hard. They're, they're still growing up. Anyways, I think by six, I'm not really sure if I'm worth kind of paying much attention to. Right. Mm-hmm. It might be a way of saying it. And then I remember I have this one of my first memories. I'm standing in the hallway and I've received a not a participation trophy for soccer, but a true like most improved player. I was the only kid on the team who got the trophy. Right. And um, and I remember like everybody paying attention and like looking at me and like mm-hmm. being excited for me. I think there's this moment there where you go, oh, if you do certain things, people will really love you. And if you do certain things, people will pay attention to you. And, and that's actually a very mild, I mean, it's, it's a mild form of shame, which is the message that your worth is tied to what you do, yeah. right? you accomplish, how many people are paying attention, your success and that sort of thing, you know? So not intentional. It was yeah. actually, they were they were celebrating. Right, they were right. Yeah, it was a good thing. Um, which at this point, most parents get really freaked out when I. When we talk I know. About I'm like, like how oh, do we temper that with like? I, yeah. My next question is like, as a parent, how do we temper this in our and, kids' life? I like to I like to reassure parents who are worried that they might be shaming their kids that yes, they are absolutely shaming their kids in one form or another, and that's okay. That's all right. That's part of the human experience. And what your kids need more than anything is not a perfect parent. They need a parent who knows they're not perfect and can own some of that and kind of learn and grow. So it's all good. Um, my kids have soaked up plenty of shame for me and, and we're all working through it. But, um, but that's how, I mean, that's how it sort of just sort of okay. seeps in, you know, slowly over the course of life, even in good moments, we can mm-hmm. sort of take on the message. So um, yeah, it's subtle, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's it, it makes a big impact. So I do think as a parent, so if you were talking to parents, because that is my follow-up question on that, is what are some ways, obviously we're going to screw up and we're going to praise them for these things and and it might trigger them to, you know, feel like their worth is in, my daughter is a mini me 
and she's great at gymnastics. And in my head, I'm like, she sees that the better she is, the more people praise her, which obviously they're going to praise her because she's really good. But how do I help her see that her worth is not in that? That's just like icing on the cake. Like who she is is right. the, the that is what it is and then she gets to do all these other things and that's awesome those are the gifts and talents that she's been given but it's not the thing like how do mm-hmm. how do I parent her that way yeah it's a great question I so the first thing that comes to mind is a story and I'll try to be quick about it but um I was uh, scheduled several years ago to go on a you know one of these podcasts that has huge listenership and my, my publisher was all excited for me to kind of be on with this huge audience and kind of share lovable with them. And, um, and, and, and I think I'm in the right emotional place going into the interview, right? I'm like, okay, you know, I know I'm worthy no matter what. Um, <laughs> we get into pre-interview and the host, the first thing he says is, okay, you've got to be really interesting, nice. right? I just told you about my shame, right? I'm not very interesting. People aren't really paying attention to me. He says, you got to be really, you got to come with your best stuff, you know? And I could just feel the shame like rise up in me. And, and so I went through that interview and I, um, I, I did what I do when I don't feel very good about myself, which is act like a professional instead of a person, you know, Mm. and hung up the phone. And the first thought was like, you blew it, man. Like you, you totally botched that. Well, one of the things I talk about in lovable is that every time we, we, encounter that shame within us it's an invitation to start listening for a different voice within us mm. and in lovable i call that the voice of grace so that's what i do these days when that shame sort of revisits me i i listen for that voice of grace and it took several days for me to hear it several unpleasant days um, but i was actually sitting on a dock quietly in the fog on a bike ride i'd sort of paused and i was listening for the voice of grace again and, and the voice that i heard within me said um and, and, you know, you, you hope you hear like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> right. you know, no one noticed. They've never heard you speak before. I'm sure they thought it was an A plus, you know, and it didn't. Though. And it said, um, you did botch it, Kelly. Mm. Uh, but I'm proud of you for getting up there. It's hard to learn on a big stage. Keep being brave. Mm. Uh, and what happened in that moment was it totally disconnected who I am from my performance. Right. And it was about the character that I show in in showing up in trying in learning on a big stage so i think of your daughter right and she's going to get all the 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 affirmation she needs for performance from Mm -hmm. everybody else Mm -hmm. what she needs is you as a parent to look at her and go this is the character that i see in you Mm -hmm. these are the qualities of who you are that you're bringing to your performances right your bravery your um your grace your uh, whatever it is and and to be affirming those things yeah. right so which is why I take all my soccer players at the end of every soccer season and we do we, we have we do awards which is we we give an award to each player with an, with a word on it that names one thing about their char- character that we delighted in over the course of the season and everybody gets one not everybody gets a trophy because I think trophies award performance and not everyone performs equally right right everyone's worthy so we can give everyone a word that explains how we delight in who they are, not what they did. So that's a long answer to your your question about how we can can sort of step into that gap as parents, mm-hmm. let the world affirm their performance and let us perform who, uh, affirm who they are. I love that. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a big question and we can break it down. So now let's go back to us. I really just had you on here to give me a free therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's go back to us. Uh, how do we get back to that little girl? 
who just like and sometimes when I see my little one like she's starting to be more performance based now and I have a son too um and they're very different but you know before like when I think about it when she was just doing it for fun or doing it because it just was joy she still does it for that but she wants to be great now you know and she has this drive that is wired in her it's beautiful but I want to make sure that it's it's right well I'm that little girl so that's me um, and in your book, you talk about the three acts and how they fit together. So many of us have heard of worthiness, belonging, purpose. Um, and many times we're searching for our worth and then belongings over here somewhere. We want to belong to someone. And then purpose is, you know, it's the age old question. Why are we here? What do we do? And right. what I've loved about this book is you put them all together and that they actually have to go together to make yeah. sense. You can't have one over here, worthy over here, and then and then you feel, be, you know, belonging over here, and then, oh, by the way, what am I here for? All of that's together. So unpack that, why yeah. that fits together for you and how we can make sense of it. Yeah. You know, it's something that I, um, I've learned sort of over the course of my clinical career. You know, the two main reasons that people come into therapy are for relationships and um, sort of life direction issues. Um, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know uh, what my purpose is. And one of the things I learned over time is that if you, you can't dive into either one of those until the worthiness piece is really addressed. Um, and so it was actually, again, in the, for, in the course of, of proposing Lovable that um, my, my agent, I was on a phone with her this time, and she said, okay, so you keep sending me these three topics, worthiness, purpose, and then belonging. And I stopped her and I go, no, it's worthiness, belonging, and then purpose. That's how they, that's the, that's the, that's the way that for, you know, formation and growth and healing and health, all of it flows is through those three stages in that order. And again, she's like, well, that's, you know, that's true too. You should write about that. So, um, so the idea is that they fit together in that sequence, worthiness, then belonging, and then purpose. Not in, not in a sense that they're, we, we go through each stage once, you know, um, but that we sort of exist on this wheel of worthiness, belonging, and purpose. And, and as we progress through them, um, we see how they build upon each other. So the idea is that if we can, if we can trust that we are worthy, then our relationships become an expression of our sense of worthiness rather than a search for it, right? Mm. We don't depend upon the people we love to make us feel worthy. All the conflict that comes from that gets eliminated. And what we're free to do is instead of showing up as this protected self, this version of us that doesn't believe that we're ultimately um, worthy of love and belonging, we get to actually show up as who we really are. Mm -hmm. And we get to see who celebrates that and who's excited that we're showing up that way. And all of a sudden we begin to discover is a belonging in the world in certain relationships and in certain communities um, because we're actually step we're feeling worthy enough to show up the way that we really are mm-hmm. right as our true self and so it really lays the groundwork for finding places of belonging in the world and then over and over again you see it the people that you belong to they're the ones that are really excited for you as you start to say now that I'm reconnected with my true self, that little that little girl inside yeah. me, right, if you will, she always wanted to do more of this, or she always wanted to be this way in the world. Yeah. And I haven't let her, you know, for to 20, 30, 40 years, and I think I'm going to try it. And the people we belong to are like, yes, that, <laughs> more of that. Right. I'm so happy for you. How can we support you? How can we encourage you? And so you see that happening. If someone comes into me and tells me that they're wanting to kind of clarify their purpose, but that their relationships are a wreck, I say, hey, we're not even going to go there yet with purpose then. 
we got we got some backtracking to do. Mm-hmm. We either need to figure out what's going on with your belonging, or maybe even go back another step and figure out um, how are you not showing up authentically in the world so that you're not finding your places of of true belonging. Um, and so that's how they fit together. And and then of course you know you get some clarity about what you want to do with your life and how you want to show up to it and be. And then you you know you do an interview where you totally botch it, and all of a sudden the shame comes up, and you have right. to learn your all over again. And you just go over and over. it's like a cycle. <laughs> it's the cycle. You know, at yeah. the end of Lovable, I talk about how it's like, it's like climbing a mountain, right? And it, you, you, to climb a mountain safely, you go around it in circles. And so you come back to the same sort of side of the mountain. You're looking at a lot of the same issues, but hopefully you're a little higher up, right? You got a little different perspective mm-hmm. on them, but yeah, you're wrestling with your shame again, right? And then you continue to progress through belonging and purpose. And all of a sudden you're back to having to embrace your worthiness again. But again, a little higher up, it's not as intense this time. It's, you know, you know what to do, you know, to listen for the voice of grace this time around. Yeah. So it becomes that sort of healing process. I think that's so important that you just said you, it's the cycle, because even with me, I thought I already did the work for the do right. and the be like the do, you know, doing things and receiving accolades that does, that doesn't produce my worth. I mean, I thought right. I had already gone there and then we move right. and all of that quote worth is gone. Like what I used to do is gone and I'm in a new place and I'm feel stripped of that. Absolutely. Now I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have, I don't feel needed. I don't feel wanted. I don't feel da 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 da. And then in my head, I'm like, this is so stupid. Like we've already done this. Like I've already done this hard work. Why am I, why is this coming up again? And I would just affirm you. Yeah. That it's not that you didn't do it. It's that now you got to do it again in a new situation, yeah. in a more challenging situation. Um, but I don't want to yeah, do it. I know. <laughs> I know. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to sell this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's such hard work. Where's the uh, magic? Where's the magic pill? You know, well, and the and the the encouragement is is that the higher you get up that mountain, I mean, you know, I have terrible moments in which I'm wrestling with all this all over again, but they're not half as terrible as they were ten years ago, you That's know, true. or five years ago, and and what I'm going through right now, it's you know, five years from now, it, it'll mm-hmm. it'll feel. Um, it'll feel like a distant memory. So that's my encouragement. And if we think we go through this in some sort of straight line, like you figure out who you are, you embrace your worthiness, you find your people, you find what you're going to do in the world, then you're setting yourself up for more shame. Because as soon as, as soon as it doesn't do the trick and get you sort of arrived, then you're shaming yourself. Like what, you you know, why am I feeling this again? Yes. And so now you're feeling ashamed about feeling shame and completion again <laughs> and so it's really good just to give yourself the grace that like this is an ongoing thing and you sort of just walk the path till the end guess what you guys the holidays are here and i am so pumped to give you this incredible idea my friend mindy came up with um years back but she has made it available to all families it's called advent prep club and it's this personalized online planning tool to guide you through the prep and execution of an advent activity calendar it's designed for families with toddlers to high schoolers you'll get full access to 150 plus creative activity ideas customized templates and printables resources how-to's helpful tips and suggestions from years of advent activity 
calendar experience. So here's the deal. I go through Christmas and I want this to be this intentional, purposeful time for my kids that we love and we serve others and we have all these ideas that we do during the holidays. But what happens for me, I don't know about you, is I get to the middle of December and I've either forgotten to do that or I'm too stressed to think of something. So Mindy, my friend, has come up with this incredible business called Advent Prep Calendar to help us. All you got to do is go to adventprepclub.com. And all of our listeners get 10% off with the code BESTRONG. Make sure you check out their website. I'm going to put some stuff on our Instagram stories in the next week. Um, just to, so that you can see how easy it is to make this Christmas so purposeful, so memorable. Because who doesn't need a memorable and surprising time like those of us who've gone through 2020? So check them out, adventprepclub.com. I think something that's kind of helped me through it is to find people who walked that journey with me before and they're reminding me, Hey, remember we got through this. You got through this. Yes. These are some of the same things, but look how far you've come. Look how far you've come in 10 years. You're back. You feel back at that place, but you're not actually back at that place. You're so much. So for me, it's like, I'm watching it and are in it. And I'm so in it, we're so deep in it that it's like we can't find a way out. But when I'm reminded right. from the people who walk that journey with me, they remind me like, hey, you actually are way ahead of where you were before. And what a great example of how going through the cycle over and over again clarifies our places of belonging, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. these people who can have walked with you through a cycle and can now encourage you through the next one. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, a, what a, a beautiful sense of belonging that that creates with them. How many people, when you talk about authenticity and showing up as your true self, like, I I mean, I don't know that you know a true stat, but like just working with people, how, what, are, what would be the percentage of people who actually do that, who are their full self all the time? So the the people who I know personally, who are closest, who, who do most of the time are the first ones to admit that they don't do it all the time, that they wouldn't create a category of I've just rediscovered my true self and I, and I haven't, but the, mm -hmm. they're the first one. I remember, I remember listening to an interview with the Dalai Lama once and the person who was interviewing him said like, Oh, I would love to follow you around for the day, you know, and just soak up your peacefulness. Right. And he laughed and he said, well, if you followed me around for a day, you'd also be soaking up my anger and my sadness yeah. and my, right. Like the, those who are most in, sort of uh, have, have, are, have settled into their true self most consistently are the first ones to just say, it's not, um, it, I haven't arrived. It's work. Right? And it's, it's, work. it's work and it's a journey. Um, I want to read something. Can I read something to you in your book? Um, yeah, sure. It's one of my favorite quotes. And before I kind of get on to our next uh, subject, I just, I wanted to read this because I think it's so important for people to hear. Um, you said, therefore, it's important to pause the purpose question until you can trust this to be true. Because I'm going to stop right there because I want to go to purpose first. That makes more right. sense to me. Like the other stuff is like, it's fine, whatever. Th that's good. But like, I want to have a purpose. I want to change the world. I want the purpose. <laughs> so this was really for me. Um, yes. It's important to pause the purpose question until you can trust this to be true. You don't need to be more. You just need to be more you. You're here to play the piano you've been dying to play, and you're free to stop thinking about how much it matters and to whom. That was really good. You're here simply to play the music you hear inside of you until you're wide awake and fully alive, until being human finally feels like the gift it is. Mm. 
that really impacted me um, because everything I do has to have a purpose mm-hmm. for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's real yeah. hard for me to do something that yeah. is either just for me or just for fun or not serving yeah. someone else. Yeah, that that that's a, that's a follow up to a story in the book where my daughter had been practicing the piano and came upstairs and said, uh, "Daddy, it's really hard to practice the piano when you're thinking about how much your mommy and daddy like that you're practicing the piano." <laughs> and I remember when she said that, going, "Man, that's that's what happens when we skip right to to trying to have a purpose, right? Is right. we're having a purpose for a bunch of reasons, mm-hmm. right? We're having a purpose so that mommy and daddy will be happy that we're that we're doing this, or that so and so will be, and it's really it makes it hard to do in any way that is really." sustainable, mm-hmm. um, or enjoyable, you know, it becomes too fraught. And, um, and so, yeah, so actually that's, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but actually lovable started out as a book about purpose. The, the, the opening epigraph to the book is a, a Mark Twain quote. Um, the two most important days in your life are the, the day you were born and the day you find out why. Yeah. Right. And the original title of the book, the working title for most of writing, it was the day you find out why. Um, but the reality was I, I was determined to write a book about purpose that didn't just shame people into feeling like they need to be doing more. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> pleasing more. And and I couldn't. I ultimately discovered I couldn't do it until I put it as the conclusion to this journey also of worthiness and belonging, because if you don't go through those two tasks first, it inevitably becomes this sort of compulsive performance oriented thing. Um, so that's how, that's how we got there. Um, and so I had to circle back and, and make it just the, just the culmination of the book, not the, the, the whole, the whole book itself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. I want to transition us to something that I, I think everyone wants to hear right now and to have a clinical psychologist on <laughs> will be so helpful. <laughs> okay. So we are, um, you're going to talk about religion or politics. We you? are. We're going to talk about <laughs> politics. So we have just come out of this election. Um, we are interviewing you right now, um, two weeks before this actually comes out. So as of now, we don't know who the president is. It's still right. up in the air. Um, it's, what, you know, what day is it today? Is it Thursday? So Tuesday was our election. Yeah. Um, and we're still, like, Throughout this whole election process, you've had different camps, and you—I mean, everyone—I don't have to tell—I don't have to explain this. The tension of what people believe and why they're passionate, and people canceling each other out, and fights, and all the things—it's just—it's almost too much. Like people have just deleted their socials because they can't even do it anymore. And I think part of me was like, "Oh, when the election's over after Tuesday." Harmony will be back in the world. Like, that's what I thought. That has not happened. So I want you to help us because one of our huge, you know, values um, is love everyone. And I feel like that has been really hard to do. Even though we might say we love everyone, um, we are not acting that out. And so can you help us process how to love everyone in an environment like this and when you vehemently disagree with the person that maybe you really love, um, or maybe a stranger. Talk to me about that. Sorry, that's a big old question. Yeah. Well, and my gut reaction is that I'll, I'll answer that question once I figure it out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but what I can tell you is that I will tell you how I'm trying to figure it out right okay. now. Let's give you some, maybe some examples if it helps. Um, you know, I think, I think the first thing that comes to mind is when you when you find yourself um, 
when you're finding yourself having difficulty um, loving someone, it, it can be an opportunity to, to reflect upon the places where you reject the very same things in yourself, mm. where, um, where you um, maybe perhaps um, could, could be loving yourself even more thoroughly. Um, so, so right away, it's an opportunity for self-reflection rather than attack um, to begin with. Um, but the truth is loving people and loving everyone is a very vulnerable act because um, you may be engaged in that process of going, oh, I'm having a hard time loving you, so I'm going to reflect upon how that reflects my own lack of self-love, but there's no guarantee they're going to do it, right? No, so, right. So all of a sudden things get very, quote, unfair mm -hmm, very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very vulnerable thing. Um, I believe that the rewards of it are rich and, and uh, do a good thing. But So I think, I think there's that piece. Um, you know, as therapists, we've been reflecting on because we have clients that hold views that crossing the entire range of yeah. the political spectrum. And uh, and so we've been in our staff meetings, we've been having discussions about how do you stay, how do you stay engaged? How do you stay empathic with people who may have very, very different mm. views than you? Um, and then a couple answers have come from that. One is um, if you if you if you really disagree with someone's perspective, ask them about the story that led to that perspective. Because as soon as you begin to understand someone's story better, you mm. begin to understand their views better. Their 100%. views are just, right. Their views are just the the outcome of their story. Yes. Uh, and so try to understand their story. Number one. Number two, if we found ourselves talking about how we're all in grief right now, um, how we're all in the middle of losing something or mm. fearing we're about to lose something yeah. on both sides of the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. And there are five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, sadness, and acceptance. And a lot of us are in the anger stage mm -hmm. or the anxious bargaining stage of grief. So how can we, how can we understand the stage of grief that the people we feel we can't agree with are in? Why are they in that stage of grief? Yeah. What are they afraid they're about to lose? And how, how, is the, how are their reactions flowing from that fear of loss rather than some sort of nefarious um, kind of motivation? So those things come to mind. So tell me, we kind of talked about this, about the different personalities. So yeah. I think within that are these different personalities as well, which doesn't help this whole thing. You have people who look at the world different ways and, right. you know, we can say all those things like, okay, I can, I can try to understand where they're coming from and their perspective. But then like sometimes in your heart, you're like, but you're just wrong. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's yes. just wrong. Like I want to love you and I can love you and I can whatever, yes. but literally you are wrong. And so I think that's what I'm right. feeling from people is like, yeah. yeah, great. That's great. But like, you're wrong. How do, yep. how do we respect people's opinions, but also that it could be this, what we talked about, kind of this neurological wiring that we see things differently. Explain that, right. what you told me before we went on air. Well, I should say something. I, we need to acknowledge that there's right and wrong. And we're all trying to sort out what that right and wrong is. This is not a, a way we're, we're talking about how do you engage in relationship with somebody who you see as wrong? How do you yeah. engage or in their dialogue? Views might be wrong. Absolutely. Correct. Right. How do you, you know, how do you, how do you, cause if we're going to get anywhere, we got to get there together and we have to stay engaged to do it. Right. right? So um, how do we do that in a productive way? And I, I appreciate what you're bringing up this, the difference in, in, uh, um, ways that we're wired in, in neurologically the ways that we're wired personality wise the ways that we're wired um i came across a 
uh, an interview with a, a researcher a while back, and he'd done this interesting study. And I can't, like, for the life of tell you, life of me, tell you where I found this. But he did this interesting study where they brought uh, participants into a laboratory, and through a series of questions, they de they determined whether or not that person held more conservative views or more progressive views. So then they broke those groups apart, and then they had basically just two pieces of paper. And one piece of paper had uh, dots on it that were just arranged like a very orderly grid across the paper. Um, and then they had a page full of dots that were arranged more scattered, you know, less uniformly across the page. And the first they showed the conservative group of folks, the two pages and said, which page is more pleasant to look at basically. Mm -hmm. And they showed the progressive group, the same two pages and said, which page is more, uh, comforting to look at and I, you can probably guess which the two groups said the conservative group said oh, like by far and away the grid the orderly the structured the fixed right whereas the progressive group looked at the scattered dots and saw the fluidity and the freedom and said that that set of of dots and so you're, you're talking and, and so and, and we're talking about comfort we're talking about soothing the autonomic nervous system response right so you're talking about people who are neurologically wired to prefer order and structure and those who are preferring fluidity and change and and those sorts of things and what we begin to realize is that those are not um those are not whole things um, that we need both of those perspectives mm -hmm. in order to form a whole healthy society. We need people who recognize the value of structure and rules and order, and we need people who recognize the value of fluidity and change and adaptation. And when you can bring those two together, you've got a you've got a really functioning whole. But right now, we tend to think of those as. Um, if you have the different perspective, you're wrong or bad, and you're essentially cutting off half of half of our cultural strength yeah. and saying you're you're wrong, you're bad. Um, how can we how can we begin to welcome that other perspective back in and and uh, have a proper yin and yang going on here? And that is the question. Do you have an answer for, for that? Like I'm thinking even like just you know I told you earlier like take politics out of it. Let's just talk about personalities and and right. just that in itself of how to do on the day to day. Um, I if I probably put this in front of my spouse, these papers, right. um, the paper of the more, and I have friends absolutely like this, some of my greatest friends, you know, they would look at the more structured paper and be like, yes, I feel I need comfort yeah. in that. And they would feel yeah. real stress with the fl more fluid kind of everything's all over the place. Whereas when I look at that paper, I would feel real stress with the um, all right. in a line that would feel very confining and rigid. Uh -huh. And yep. I would feel like I was stuck. Whereas the other one, I'm like, oh, look how pretty that is. People, you know, things can just go the way that they need to. We can change it. How do you bring those two personalities together to go, hey, I, I don't yeah. understand yours completely, but right. I appreciate it. Like, how do you do that? Well, you just you've, you just reminded me of a, I, I bought an ergonomically correct chair for our office for our therapy office, and one of my therapists walked in and looked at it, and, and I thought this was the most amazing chair, and I paid good money for it. She walked in, she goes, "That chair is telling you how to sit." <laughs> oh <laughs> right? she yeah. Looked at, she looked at the grid and went, "Ooh, I can't stand that." And to me, it was like. I don't know. This is like it's it's putting you in the perfect structure, right? Um, the perfect form. So yeah. these examples you can see throughout your life, and you just gave us one too. Um, here's an here's another one. Um, so to 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 distill the whole political chaos down into just the the daily, um, you think about like on Facebook. You're on Facebook, say, 
and you are someone who um, you you nursed your your firstborn according to the textbooks, and you you know you had them sleeping in their crib, and you ferberized them, you know, baby wise, certain, baby, right? baby wise, right? And someone on Facebook posts a picture or a comment about how you know their kid's six months old and they're still nursing them in bed at night, and what do you immediately do? You go, that's different, that's wrong, that's bad right and and it's happening all the time i mean mm-hmm. if we just pay attention to ourselves on a daily basis we we walk around and if we see something that is different than the way we do it we think of it as less than or and this is the flip side of the insecurity we think oh should i be doing it like that like is that yes the right? is yes the wrong but they're both an expression of our basic insecurity and shame which says that if something's different it either has to be right and I need to start doing it that way or wrong and they need to stop doing it that way Mm. and all of that sort of dualism and judgment is is flowing out of our sense of shame and insecurity so again it comes back to being able to to embrace who we are so that we can embrace who others are even if it's if it's very different and again this I disconnect that from behavior right like in the same way that your daughter's gymnastics performance is not the same as how she shows up to gymnastics and who she is we can talk about right and wrong behavior for sure yeah Um, but can we can we reduce this sense of dualism of right and wrong within this context of judging people for who they are Mm. Uh, I think that's really important Oh, that's really good. We could talk a lot on that um okay well we are going to wrap up because I know you have lots of things to do. And I literally could process all that we just talked about (laughs) for hours. Um, So we will have really great show notes. And obviously, if you want to dig into this more, go read his book, which is Lovable. And tell me where you can find um, Lovable. Is it everywhere? Yeah. You can find Lovable anywhere. It's in paperback, um, ebook, or audio. You can get it on Audible. Um, if you're more curious uh, about it but not quite ready to jump in, you can go to my website. It's drkellyflanagan.com, drkellyflanagan.com, and uh, and you can read more about it there. You can also, at the very page, um, you can subscribe to my monthly, I call it my help letter instead of my newsletter. Really? And uh, you'll actually you'll get it actually a free copy of an ebook that I created uh, called You're Even Closer Than You Think, a weekly walk through the three essentials of a truly satisfying life. And so it's it's basically 52 weeks worth of readings and practices that map on how to mm. cultivate worthiness, belonging, and purpose. So it's a great, it's a great freebie, a full-length book there if you want to go grab it. Awesome. And we'll put that all on our show notes um, and our social media. Is there anything before I let you go, because I feel like you're just a wealth of wisdom that we're all like, okay, what do we do? Is there one takeaway? You know, I love a good takeaway. I know I I love something to do. (laughs) Um, Is there one takeaway that we could do, maybe a first step? Let's talk, let's say first step. Yes. Um, To, to, I don't even want to use find anymore, that word find, Mm -hmm. Um, to remember our worthiness, belonging, or purpose. Yes. Um, Well, then you're going to sort of love and hate what I have to say, because you said I want something to to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and my first step, and it's actually the first uh, chapter of that that ebook, is um, is about breathing, um, because breathing and attending to our breath is literally the simplest way to be and to not do. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make yourself breathe. You're breathing on your own. Um, attending to it and bringing your attention to it is a way to cease all other doing. Um, and I actually think that the very first step in remembering our worthiness is to just learn how to take some breaks from all of our worthiness earning doing, right? 
to just be present in this moment and to recognize that, oh my goodness, like I'm just as worthy in this moment right here, breathing, doing nothing than I, I am when I'm doing everything else I'll do throughout the day. And when those two experiences begin to feel on the same plane and equal and comparable, like your worthiness is surfacing. Yeah, that's beautiful. All right, we'll do that. I will I will breathe. Awesome. I will not do something, but I will breathe. Um, bef- 10 minutes a day. <laughs> awesome. Um, I will finish up with my favorite thing. And one of the things I love to do, and this is so perfect for kind of what we talk about, is I love to remind my guests of who they are. And so many of my guests do these amazing things. They do, 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 and they change the world and they change people's lives. But I always love to bring it back because this was my journey and still obviously my journey that I'm working on is to find my worth in just being who I am. And so I wanted to get some encouragement for you from some of your friends who um, have some words for you and who you are. And so I just want to read oh. these over you. Um, oh, this is real so quick. sweet. <laughs> um, okay, here's one. Kelly's book landed in our laps in 2018. My husband is the one of is the first one who read it, and this is one of the three books in our 13 years of marriage that he kindly forced me to read. Unfortunately, I started the book while on an airplane next to a complete stranger and sobbed the whole time. Kelly knows the human experience better than anyone I've read. He writes and lives with such authenticity, it's magnetic. He and his wife, Kelly, are heroes of ours, and our story wouldn't be the same without their work in the world. We are eternally grateful. And then someone else said, Kelly Flanagan is one of the most treasured voices I've learned to trust. For those longing to walk through their lives with joy and experience, the greatest gift of being human and transformation, Kelly writes and teaches with a voice that is harmony of all of my favorite sages and wisdom teachers that always point us to what it means to be human and to transform again and again. So I just wanted to read those over you just to remind you. And, and, and you know, you know this, you do this work, but I think we all need to be reminded of just who we are and who we are to others because people just don't, don't say it, you know, all the time. Mm. And so I hope those encouraged you. What a gift. It's a huge encouragement. My journey has been to just open up to and receive those, those kindnesses. And so I I received that. Thank you very much. And thank you for being on and sharing your wisdom um, and your words with us today. You bet. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We hope it inspired you and gave you ideas of how to live out love exactly where you are. We would be so honored if you subscribed to our podcast or you left a review, shared it with a friend, because we want as many people as we can to hear this message of what it means to love others. And don't forget to check out our website to grab our new children's book, The Lunchbox Note, A Story of Loving Others, or if you wanna dig a little deeper of ways to strengthen your family, So you can love your community well, check out our family coaching tab at bestrongstory.com. You can find us over at Be Strong Story, all one word, on all our socials so we can get to know you more. Above all else, thanks for helping us make this world a more loving place. We believe with our whole hearts that every single person, you listening, is worthy of love and every person can share that love and make a difference in this world. See you next week, you guys.